I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is You Can't Make This Up. You Can't Make This Up is the podcast where we uncover the true stories behind your favorite Netflix documentaries and films. On today's episode, we'll look at our favorite shows from 2022. Today, we're talking to To Doom writer Amanda Richards. In 2022, Netflix upped its game with even more high-quality, non-scripted TV shows and documentaries. There were intriguing cold cases, historical crimes, and cunning con men. There were UFOs, cheerleaders, catfishers, and Jonathan Van Ness ice skating. There were meltdowns at power plants and meltdowns at rock concerts. There was also plenty of drama on reality shows like Selling Sunset and Selling the OC. We cheered for cooking, baking, and matchmaking. There were game shows that asked whether true love is blind and asked, is it cake? Amanda and I will share our top five favorite things we streamed in 2022, shows that made us look at our TVs and say, you can't make this up. And I'm joined now by Amanda Richards, the docs and docuseries writer for To Doom, Netflix's editorial companion site. Amanda, welcome to You Can't Make This Up. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Okay, so there were some great non-scripted shows on Netflix in 2022. And I want to take a look at what we say are our favorites. So what is number five on your list of unscripted Netflix shows in 2022? Okay, so I had a long think about this. And I think number five is going to have to be Tinder Swindler, the Tinder Swindler, which, you know, say it five times fast, directed by Felicity Morris. Basically, it's a Dirty John catfishing story uh, for the for this generation. Because in a sense, I still loved him, you know, or the person I thought that he was. Like, you know, everything's a lie. But then you still have this fairy tale that's going on on your phone, you know, Simon with like still the heart behind it because I could never like I couldn't remove it. Because I still wanted him to be true, you know. It's about a woman who meets a man on Tinder and he tells her all of these elaborate lies and ends up taking a bunch of her money. But the best part is, is that she figures out a way to get back at him. He wanted me to pawn my car. He wanted me to sell my house. That's when I get my idea. I was going to swindle the Tindler swindler. I just, I really loved it. It's a really fun ride. And it's also just like really juicy. I love that one too. I also love the way that one was shot. It was so like so intimate and fun and cool. Um, my number five is also a deception story of sorts. It's Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. This was the two-parter in the Untold series. It's the story of Notre Dame football star and NFL recruit Manti Teo. And this is that pre-catfishing catfishing scandal that took over his whole life, overshadowed his career. Should I have said on a national stage in the Heisman that, hey, I just got a phone call two days ago that the person who said she was dead is now alive. Do I do that and that? You tell me. 
Um, and his participation in this documentary gave me such an amazing understanding of how he was in a position to be a victim of this scam. Plus hearing from Naya, the person behind that online identity who pretended to be his girlfriend. I just thought it was so, so incredible. I didn't expect for it to like blow up so quickly. I already knew like, oh no, like this can't be good. So Amanda, I'm going to tell you about my number four pick for 2022. And I'm going with Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. This was an incredibly made three-part documentary about a three-day festival's descent into madness. Then he has to add, now when this song kicks in, I want you to fucking kick in. And that's it. Kerosene, match, boom. Peace and love meets fires, bush, and trench mouth. So I wake up Sunday morning. I have a very sore throat, uh, cold sores all over my lips. I had ulcers all over my tongue and my gums and in my mouth. And I can't eat. I can't drink. I can hardly talk. I found out that I had something called trench mouth, basically from drinking unsanitary water. (laughs) I loved it. I loved everything about it. It made me really grateful to have been just a little too young because I absolutely would have tried to go (laughs) and I would have not fared well in that environment. (laughs) Would you have had the water, you think? (laughs) Um, Definitely not. No, I would have had had to be like airlifted out of there, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, so what is your number four pick? Okay, so yours was, your number four was in the 90s. Mine's in the early aughts. I'm cheating. I have a tie. It's the real bling ring and white hot, the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. I feel that these two documentaries, one is a film and and one is a series, together are like a perfect elder millennial wine and cheese pairing. It's a really nostalgic time. So first, the bling ring Hollywood heist is about the squad of teenagers who got famous for robbing celebrity homes. They they robbed Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Orlando Bloom. And the doc is you know all about how they did it, how they got caught, and then the best part, how their friendships with each other kind of went awry and how they tried to throw each other under the bus when everything went sideways. Did you know you were going over to Orlando Bloom's house? That night, no. I wasn't aware of whose house it was that night. Yeah. <laughs> Alexis was very much aware that she was outside Orlando Bloom's house. No. Oh, well. Lots of early odds nostalgia in there. And then there's White Hot, the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch, which is, you know, all about the iconic clothing brand. And I think everybody that's around my age, elder millennial, was like a little bit terrified of seeing in the mall going in with all the the sexy store workers. Oh, my God. They've bottled this. They have absolutely crystallized everything that I hate about high school and put it in a store. This doc is about the culture of that brand and what happened when people started paying attention and being like, this isn't cool. Like, this is really exclusionary. And I I like to think that the bling ring was like wearing Abercrombie when they robbed celebrity homes. It's kind of just a, I don't know, if you have a rainy afternoon and you graduated high school in 2003, 
highly recommend. <laughs> totally. And if you're like me and you're a Gen Xer, watch these just kind of get into a window of, <laughs> of things that you didn't quite understand when they were going on. Because I never understood, for instance, when I was in my 20s, why it was always so dark in Abercrombie and Fitch. I'm like, why is everybody going in there? It's black, pitch black in there. Totally. And then, of course, the bling ring has that, I don't want to spoil it, but an incredible surprise at the end. So I really recommend that people watch it, if for nothing else, just for that incredible ending. It's really super duper cool. That's right. All right. What is your number three pick? Okay. I cheated again. I have another tie. So tied for number three are two true crime documentaries. Once again, one series and one film. The series is called Keep Sweet. Mm. And it is a documentary that centers um, the ex-members of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, more commonly known as FLDS. And they tell their story about how the quote-unquote prophets, Rulon Jeffs and Warren Jeffs, abused them and, you know, kind of created a culture of fear and manipulation with the promise of, you know, salvation and eternal life and all through, you know, marrying these, these prophets and creating these elaborate family structures where many of the wives were underage. When I was 14 years old, they forced me to marry my cousin. I asked Warren, begged him, please don't make me get married. And he said, do you believe that you know better than the prophet? That if you're questioning me, you're questioning God. I'll just say this. It's very dark. It's not something you should enter into lightly. It's not something you should, it's not like a family fun film. It's, it's hard to watch, but I really loved it because it centered the people who were strong enough to get themselves out of it, which if you watch the documentary, you'll see how far they had to come to get themselves out of it. And it's really, really incredible to hear from them. And that leads me to my other pick, which was the tie, which is Our Father. That film tells the story of a woman named Jacoba Ballard, and she took an at-home DNA test. She discovered that she had several half-siblings. Their family tree was connected by a fertility specialist named Dr. Donald Klein, who inseminated their mothers with his own sperm without their knowledge or their consent. And as the documentary goes on, more and more and more and more siblings are revealed. You go back to everything that you've known about yourself. It just completely washes away your identity. And you really have no idea who you are anymore. Again, it's like Keep Sweet. It's very disturbing. But seeing how all of these people found their power and their families came together and kind of galvanized and took Donald Klein down. Um, and also really interesting stuff about how they changed laws about fertility um, in the process. It's very moving. So, again, keep sweet and our father. Don't go in thinking you're going to have like, you know, it's not feel good, but it is very, very, very powerful. Yeah, I watched both of those, too. And we did You Can't Make This Up episodes about them. I actually spoke to Jacoba on one of those episodes. She's a really extraordinary person. And there is really a theme of a lot of content this year about, like, men with God complexes and the women, really, who take them down or fight back against them. It's disgusting to sit there and lay in bed at night and wonder if the person that created you is some racist bigot. And he used my mom as a pawn. And he did it over and over and over again. Both of these pieces of content have that at its core. And I think they're both very hopeful, even though they're both very dark. You know what I mean? Yep, definitely. 
All right. So I'm actually going to make a big transition for my number three. Um, (laughs) Mine is The Mole. (laughs) One of my favorite things that I watched on Netflix this year. It is reality content um, and also competition. So I know it's a little bit off genre. But seriously, The Mole, I never thought in a million years I would be so into this show. Jacob, you screw up in a lot of the missions and you go unnoticed and no one ever points the finger at you and I'm pointing the finger at you right now. So I'm calling a spade a spade. I don't trust you. And my gut is telling me that you're the shithole mole. It had Alex Wagner. It had Australian location porn galore. It had (laughs) mind games. It had a hot fireman. It had Queen Joy. The whole thing. It was maybe the best edited, tightest, most suspenseful reality competition show I have ever watched. And the way that Netflix released it in those three packages of episodes killed me. It absolutely killed me. I was like, I can't believe I have to wait another week to watch more of these episodes. I just thought it was so, so good. Please tell me, Amanda, that you watched The Mole. Did you? I did. I love The Mole. I thought it was, it was one of those reality shows where I was constantly like screaming at the television. <laughs> it created like a lot of suspense. Even the way that each person is revealed, like who's going home each week was so like nail biting. And it, 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 it's also really funny. The people on it yes. are just like, like chaotic and hilarious. The cast was incredible. Really, really well cast show. Okay, so for my number two pick, I'm going to go with the follow up to one of the greatest sports documentaries of all time, which is another one of the greatest sports documentaries of all time. I'm going with Cheer season two. This, of course, is the follow up to Cheer. And in this season, Trinity Valley comes back and competes against Navarro again. Of course, in Cheer Season 1, Navarro, uh, you know, wins the big competition at the end in Daytona Beach. And I actually liked Cheer Season 2, believe it or not, better than Cheer Season 1. Cheer Season 2, you have Coach Vontae Johnson and his sidekick, who I call Coach Beard, over there working at Trinity Valley to try to, like, finally, finally beat uh, Monica Aldama, the queen of cheer. The biggest reason you guys are running right now is because you're not acting like a team. And you're going to run like a team today. And you're going to have to run like a team until you start acting like the team. Work together. If something happened, collectively agree on it. Get over it. Let it go. You have so much else, though. You have Ladarius's emotional roller coaster of a journey with Monica, and you have that incredibly intense, very victim-focused episode about Jerry Harris, which I thought was handled really, really well in the series. I was, you know, worried about how that was going to be in the series, how they were going to handle it, and it was just done so, so well. Um, we did two episodes actually about that on You Can't Make This Up, and um, I was really excited. I could have done ten episodes about it. I just, I thought it was an outstanding follow-up to cheer and really could have been a standalone on its own. I just, I, I, I cannot get enough of, of this series. I just think it's so, so well done. The stakes are so high and the athleticism is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've only watched season two, so I didn't have anything to compare it to, but I didn't expect to get so invested mm-hmm. in their success and also their lives. And I agree the way that they handled um, the Jerry situation was it just, it felt compassionate, you know? My head's battling the he did wrong versus 
this person I know, you know what I mean? And I can't wrap my head around where, what I need to even think and how I should feel, which is why I haven't written him back. So what's your number two pick? Okay, so my number two, it's a serious film. It's a documentary called Descendant. Oh, yeah. Really, really beautiful. So just some some context and background about it. And um, after Congress made the slave trade illegal in the United States, there was a white businessman from Alabama. His name was Timothy Mayer. He built this ship called the Clotilda. And he sailed it from Mobile to West Africa, captured 100 slaves, trafficked them back to Mobile around 1860, sold the slaves to buyers and destroyed the ship. Um, So, you know, he'd be free from any sort of like legal repercussions. So the only evidence that really remained of this was the descendants of those 100 slaves that came over on the Clotilda. And there's a book by Zora Neale Hurston called Barracoon that documents the experiences of one of them, one of the last survivors of the Clotilda called Cujo Lewis. And he provided firsthand accounts of his experience. But this film, you know, is inspired by Barracoon, but it tells more of the story. It tells the story of the community of descendants that came from that original group that were brought over and established themselves in a place called Africatown in Alabama. And they're trying to figure out how to heal from this thing that happened a very long time ago that I think we can all agree nobody, we don't necessarily learn about it in school. And also they're trying to find hard evidence that this did in fact happen. There's a story there worth sharing with the whole world. And I would love to find the ship to enshrine it, but I, I don't need the proof. I live with the proof all of my life. Because, I mean, it was like, a you know, over 100 years of gaslighting, you know, where this idea that, no, this didn't happen. And this isn't just a community of people trying to reconnect with their with their roots and heal. And I think it's really fascinating. And it's a story, most importantly, that everybody should know. Absolutely. And one of the most extraordinary aspects of the story is the legacy, too, of environmental racism that they explore Mm -hmm. uh, around Africatown. I have to tell you, Descendant is absolutely one of the best things that I watched this year. It was going to make my list as number one as well. I saw that you had it on your list and I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about it. And I had a super dark horse that I also wanted to include, which is the only reason why I didn't put it on my list. I will tell everybody if they have not seen Descendant, run, do not walk to watch this documentary. It's like you keep searching and you're searching and you're saying something is missing, something is missing. It's kind of like an adopted child. They keep searching for that birth mother, keep searching for that birth mother. Well, that's in my inner soul. I'm searching for my ancestry. And if I could put my finger on any part of it, I would feel more complete. I thought about it for days after watching it. And I told everyone about it that I had an opportunity to talk to. Mm. Okay, once again, pivoting tremendously. (laughs) I'm going to give you my number one pick. And I'm sorry if this makes me seem like a terrible person. But my favorite thing that I watched on Netflix in 2022 was Selling the O.C. Oh, my gosh. I could never, ever, ever believe that I would love a reality show more Then I love my favorite guilty pleasure show, Selling Sunset. Truly, I never could believe it. But Selling the O.C., to me, is high art. The very first shot of the show takes place in a $106 million house. And you think to yourself, 
Why? Who would want to live in 106 million? What could the house possibly look like? Let me tell you, it looks like a 106 million dollar house and you want to see every inch of it. The cast of Selling the OC is one of the most incredible reality television show cast that has ever been assembled. My favorite is Mama's Boy Geo. Uh, the conflict in this show starts incredibly immediately. I could like kind of feel the tension at the office Girl, already. These people are crazy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Seriously though, like I mean, there's some I, people that give off certain vibes for sure. I yeah, think. I've just been hearing like crazy things and I try to like keep to myself because, you know, you never want to join a new office and start like making enemies and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So for sure. I'm really observant. Yeah. I just, I hear it all. The show again, tightly edited, perfectly packaged. Um, there's not a moment wasted of recapping what happened five minutes ago, what's happening back in the office. You are in the action the entire time. If you love real estate, if you love drama, if you just sort of love hearing people, I don't know, being angsty while they're looking at beautiful houses, this is the show for you. I cannot get enough of this franchise, and I just think selling the OC. What a huge, wonderful surprise. I think I watched the entire thing in one day. Do you watch any of these shows at all, Amanda? So, okay. So I, sometimes. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> did you like Selling Sunset? or is this I loved it. I loved it. But I actually oh. like this even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. People listening at home can hear the passion in your voice, but they can't see you. But I can. And your hands are moving. <laughs> like, you really... You feel the show in your in your soul, in your core. Yeah, it's good. I'm telling you, man, it is a good show. Okay, so Amanda, what was your number one pick on Netflix in 2022? Okay, so mine was also a hard left, but not quite as hard as selling the OC. When I heard someone say Jonah Hill made a movie about his therapist, I was like, Okay. (laughs) And then I watched it and Jonah Hill made a movie about his therapist and he takes us inside his therapy sessions with Dr. Phil Stutz, who is an amazing, um, fascinating person. He is a popular celebrity psychotherapist and he has all these really like powerful, but very simple visualization tools that are meant to center people in their own mental health journey. So I thought we would just film one session in one day and cover some of your tools that have been most helpful for me in my life. I think that's good. And do it in a way that also honors um, the life of somebody that I deeply care about and respect. Okay. But can you be funny once in a while? Just <laughs> And we learn about Stutz, the man, in the process. And we learn about Jonah Hill in the process. And... I don't know. It's 2022. I like hearing like two grown men talk about their feelings in a really like emotional and tender and funny way. And yeah, the word tender, I just I've overused it in describing this documentary because it's not like anything I've seen. It touched me like I really felt like very emotionally moved by it. I I cried a little. I'm not gonna lie. Cried Mm. a little. Um, Very non-judgmental and very non-prescriptive. And I think, like I said, in our year 2022, a little tenderness goes a long way. So Stutz, watch Stutz. Haven't watched that one yet. And I've been curious about it. But like you, when I saw the description, I was not immediately like, oh, I got to watch that. Jonah Hill talking about his therapist and around his therapist. You've made it sound like something I need to watch immediately. Maybe I'll watch that one tonight. 
It should. It's beautiful. All right. So, Amanda, uh, you have a little bit of an inside track. Um, so can you tell me, is there anything you're looking forward to seeing when it comes to Netflix next year? There is truly so much. I was just talking about this with a colleague who's also on our nonfiction team here at Tudum. We are so excited because there are so many stories that I think just haven't been told before. Like looking back at my top five this year, Bling Ring and Abercrombie, those are things that people have a general sense. They saw it in the news. This year, it's like stuff you've never heard of. And it's very unexpected and very diverse, our slate for the year. So I'm excited. I can't say too much, but I am excited. There is a Pamela Anderson documentary coming that I have seen, and it is amazing. And she is a wise sage. And (laughs) she has a weird and wonderful mind. She has a great sense of humor. And watching her talk about her life in her way, especially after, you know, her career was basically everybody deciding for her what she's like to the world. Hearing it from her is just like really cool. There's another doc about a a famous blonde, Anna Nicole Smith. Unfortunately, she, you know, is no longer with us, but the documentary is very compassionate to her and really paints a picture of who she was and so beyond the stereotype, which I just thought was really beautiful. Can't believe I'm saying this. Really excited about some sports docs coming up. Uh, If you like the F1 docuseries, we've got a golf series coming that is making people cry at the office. I can't wait. I have to tell you, I love sports documentaries. I don't love sports, but I love sports documentaries. I love golf. I told you, cheer, anything about basketball I love. This sounds like it's right up my alley. People are crying watching this. Oh, yeah. You get really invested. And apparently the, the soundtrack at points is really good. And there's just like pivotal moments. And there's also a tennis doc, too. So we're getting... We're getting some sports, you know, some sports content that I think people are going to really love. Well, I can't wait. I watch a lot of documentaries, a lot of true crime, all of this reality stuff on Netflix. But I can tell you, I really want to see some more seasons of Selling the O.C., The Mole, and maybe some Queer Eye. So hopefully we're going to be getting some of that, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, those were our favorite unscripted shows from 2022. Amanda, I can't wait to pick our favorites for 2023. Thank you so much for joining me on You Can't Make This Up. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Amanda Richards. For more of my takes, check out my other podcast, Crime Writers On. Each week on that show, we break down the latest in true crime documentaries, films, podcasts, and pop culture. If you like You Can't Make This Up, please rate and review the show and share it with your friends. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to follow the show to stay tuned for all new episodes. Our music is by Kelly Mack at Netflix Music Lab. You Can't Make This Up is a production of Netflix. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. Thanks so much for listening.